I want to talk about the gates. Everyone say gates. But the title of my message is Beautiful Gates. Beautiful Gates. I, I don't know about you, but I can feel it, not only first the natural, but also in the spiritual. There's a sense of things are shifting. There's something in the atmosphere shifting. I sleep with my window a little bit open because I just love the cold air coming in. V doesn't like it so much. But she's like, it's freezing in here. I'm actually boiling in here. But the other morning, I wake up really early, and I, I woke up to the sound I haven't heard for a long time. And it was the sound of birds singing. Did you hear that? It's something like, wait, what's that noise? That's a familiar sound. It's a beautiful sound. And it was the sound of birds singing. And the sun was shining and the snow was beginning to melt. And I thought, wow, springtime's coming. Of course, it's really not yet, but it just feels like it is. Like someone said, it's so warm outside. I'm like, it is? They're like, yeah, it's like 31 degrees. Well, in context, compared with the last few weeks, yeah, that's pretty warm. If you just come back from Florida, not so much. Well, not for me and Fee, because when we were there, it was 38. But anyway, but, but church, can you see there's something shifting? There is another season coming in the natural. God is a God of seasons. I think it's in Genesis either 8 or 11. It says, seed time and harvest, cold and heat will never cease as, well, as long as the earth endures. So there will always be seasons. Paul, in his last letter to Timothy, he says, Timothy, be ready in season and out, which suggests there's times when we are out of season. Anyone feel out of season? Where nothing's happening? Maybe you feel like this is a barren season. It's a dead season. Well, if you live in Chicago, you have to get used to it. Because there is a season where everything is gray. There is a season where everything just sees, feels like it's dead. But that season is a season that God put into creation and it's getting ready for the next season. Right now, you know, if you've lived here long enough, that right now underneath the snow, things are beginning to grow and get ready to give birth, to burst into bloom. And in the next few weeks, that will happen, whether you like it or not. But be ready in season and out of season. I'm not going to talk about this today, but I'll just say this. There is a fifth season that we never talk about and it's the season in between. It's the season where it's no longer really winter, but spring has not come. I think we're just getting there now. It's like the snow is not so beautiful anymore because it's slushy and it's brown. Spring isn't here. There's no real signs of spring other than the birds are starting to sing. There's something beginning to shift. And this morning as I walked in here, I thought, it does feel like there's just the smell of spring is in the air. And I felt God saying, because I want to get my people ready if they'll listen. But what's next? Some of us leaders just sat last night and prayed together and talked about where are we at? What is, God, what is next? What is God saying prophetic to, prophetically to us next? And here's what I want to say to us this morning. I'm going to talk about gates. I want to talk about authority. Last week I talked about it's not fair. Today I want to talk about our authority. Um, but, but, but I want to say this. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, it says, In the springtime when kings go out to war. Will you say that with me? In the springtime when kings go out to war. Next line, David stayed in bed. Who was king? It was springtime. And what did David do? He stayed in bed. Listen, 
Here's why this is important this morning. If we don't capture the, catch the seasons of God, we can miss it. David was king. It was springtime. And in the springtime, when kings go out to war, David stayed in bed. And because he wasn't doing what he should have been doing, he fell. When we're not doing what we should be doing, temptation is just around the corner. That's a good word for someone here. I'll say that again. When we're not doing what we should be doing, temptation is just around the corner. And we can avoid that by doing what we should be doing. And so what I want to provoke us this morning is that we catch the season that God is speaking to us right now and get ready. See, it is not spring yet. But we can get ready so that we don't miss the seasons of God because we can miss them. Paul says, be ready or be prepared in season and out of season. We need to be ready for the next season, but we can miss it. And I, I, I just, it's hard as a leader, sometimes think we miss that season. God was doing something and we missed it. But sometimes it's not just missing the season, it's missing the next step. Because we hear God accurately and we respond, but we don't keep listening. It's like Abraham and Isaac, take your son, your only son, take him to a mountain I will show you and sacrifice him there. Abraham got up early the next morning, got his donkey, took his son, his only son, Isaac, and set up to the mountain. And then he did exactly what God told him to do. And he went to sacrifice his son. He lifted up his, 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 uh, his sword to kill Isaac. And it was at that moment God spoke again. Everyone say again. See, it's not just the first word. It's not just the first step. It's the second step that was just as important. Imagine if he hadn't listened to the second step. He hadn't listened to the second word. He would have killed the promise. And he could have done it legitimately. Like, God, you did speak to me. Well, he did. But we need to keep on listening. Amen? So, in the springtime, when kings go out toward David, stayed in bed. I want to provoke us this morning. I want to provoke us in what is what God has got for us next as a church. Beautiful gates. The first mention of the word church in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 16. And I love this passage. It's a dialogue between Jesus and Peter. And Peter is one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he just messed up so much. <laughs> he was this passionate guy. He was this fisherman. He was so raw. But Jesus is in this dialogue and he asked the disciples, and, um, who do the people say I am? And they said, some say, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, what about you, Pete? Who do you say I am? And he says, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter, for this has not been revealed to you, but by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven and on this rock, on the revelation of who you've just said I am, I will build my church. Everyone say build. My church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates, the gates, the gates, the gates of hell will not prevail. What are gates? What is this gates? The gates of hell? Hell have gates? What does the Bible mean when it talks about gates? Mike talked about it earlier, about Psalm 100. Um, he quoted Psalm 100. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come on, let's lift our voices together. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Gates, gates, gates. In Bible times, gates of a city was a place where the elders would sit. 
And it would be at the gates of a city where disputes were settled. It would be the gates of a city where the elders or the overseers would watch what came into the, into the city and what went out of the city. So gates was a checkpoint. Gates was a place of authority. Proverbs 28 says, When the wicked are in power, the people go into hiding. But when the righteous are in power, the city rejoices. I'm building a case for gates right now. When the wicked are in power, the people go into hiding. But when the righteous are in power, the city rejoices. Why? Because whoever is at the gates is the person who has the authority. Gates speak of authority. Everyone say authority. This is where I want to go today. And I want to provoke us because what I'm going to say today, I believe, is key for what God has got to do next. And God needs a people who are going to stand like gates. And I want to unpack this for the next few minutes. And then I'm going to have, then we're going to pray and God's going to do something in a, where, whatever, because there's people in this room who God is putting in places of authority. There are people in this room that are already in places of authority, but perhaps you've walked away from your position because of disappointment, because it wasn't fair, because you're hurt, because you're disappointed in God or disappointed in people or disappointed in a situation. But I want to provoke us this morning, the rise and shine for your light has already come and the glory of the Lord is rising upon you. For nations will come to our light and kings to the brightness of our dawn. There needs to be a people, Zion, God's people, who are gates who are those people with authority, that when the world comes to us and says, teach us, our, teach us your ways, O people of God, we don't go, I don't know. I just wait for Jesus to come back. No, no, I don't believe Jesus will come back until we do this. Because the Son of Man, Acts says, must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things has taken place. Until all my enemies are made a footstool for his feet. So there's work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done. And it's us. All creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. The whole earth will be filled with my glory, which is his nature as the waters cover the sea. So this is, there's a time right now, I believe, that we can miss it. And God in his graciousness, God in his kindness, God in his slowness to anger and in his mercy will be patient and he'll wait for another generation. Or we can grab it and say, no, Lord, we're listening to what the Spirit of God is saying to the church and God, we're going to respond. Amen? All right. So Proverbs 24, one of my favorite scriptures, 24 verse 7 says this, lift up your head, O ye gates. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Watch this. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. You can write this down. When the Bible speaks about gates, the Bible is talking about people with authority. So gates, what are gates? The gates of hell will not prevail. Um, I will build my church. What, what is this, gates? Lift up your head or your gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Let the king of glory come in. Who is this king of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty. Lift up your heads or your gates. Here, you can write this down. Gates are people with authority. When the Bible talks about gates, gates are people with authority. A people with authority. So we're the gates. Gates are people with 
authority. Psalm 121 verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Lift up your heads or your gates. Look up. It's important that we don't look down. I know I've talked about this before when we were raising kids and we'll talk about this. When we disciplined our children, we'd always do it and take a hold of their heads and lift their heads up and say, look at me. I totally forgive you. This is forgiven. Lift up your head. Stand up. You're not going to wander away and grovel. You're completely forgiven. That's what happened on the cross. And what one of the that we talked about last night, last week, how the word Mephibosheth means destroyer of shame. One of the greatest things that the enemy tries to do is put shame on God's people. And in this house, we talk about it a lot. Not shame on you, but shame off you. Because what happened in Isaiah 61, this great divine exchange for our shame, we got a double portion. That was the divine exchange. Gladness for sadness. For sadness. Joy for mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. These are all signs and hallmarks of God's people who are walking in sonship, living on the right side of the cross. And so part of it today, I want to talk to tell us that we need, he is the lifter of our head. Even our dog puts his head down when he knows he's done something wrong. And I have to lift, say, hey, lift up your head. You're accepted, you're loved. Carry on, just don't do it again. But that's what God wants to do with his church. Say, lift up your head. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. He is the lifter of our head. And when we lift up our head, we start to look up, but the enemy wants you to look down. So he tries to put shame on us. He tries to put disgrace on us for that reason. I've talked about this before, but I love watching the Discovery Channel. I love watching National Geographic. I love watching... Especially, what I really, really like to do is, in Ezekiel, it says, um, the spirit of the Lord was in the wheels. And when I saw what was in the wheels, I saw the faces of God. And he said, I saw the, I saw the faces of God, and then he lists them. I said, I saw the face of man. I saw the face of an ox. I saw the face of a lion. And I saw the face of an eagle. So these four faces of God, surely that means there's something about those different animals that we can learn about the very nature of God. And if you study eagles, you can learn. We've talked about it here before. You learn something about the nature of God. If you, if you study the ox, the Bible talks about a wild ox anointing. A wild ox anointing. He has anointed me like a wild ox. In other words, powerful, with horns of authority. Thorns speak of authority. The face of a man, but the face of a lion. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. We're as a lion. The devil prowls around like a lion. Jesus is the lion, but we are as bold as a lion. Why? Because we are as he is. But if you ever, if you ever watch National Geographic or you, you watch about animals, a lion is not the biggest animal in the jungle. An elephant is a much bigger. Neither is he the fastest. The cheetah is faster. Neither does he have as big a bite and crushing power. A hippopotamus does. So does a crocodile. So why is it that the lion is the king of the jungle when clearly he's not the biggest, he's not the tallest, he's not the fastest, and he hasn't got the biggest bite? The reason why 
And Am the lion is the king of the jungle is for this one simple reason he believes he is. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And church, part of lifting up our heads this morning and standing as gates and places of authority is that we realize who we are. And there is an enemy that wants to do everything in his power to make us believe otherwise. To hell with the devil. Mm. So we're gates. We have authority. Whatever we, this is what we talked about this before, but what you, what you feed grows and what we starve dies. What we feed on will obviously, will, will, will flood whatever we have authority over. So if you're feeding on heaven's goodness, if you're feeding on who God says you are, that will flood. It's like a hose pipe. If you put a hose pipe into a sewer or you put a hose pipe that's flowing with clean water into a muddy puddle, it's impossible for the mud to go up inside of that, 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 um, that, that hose pipe with clean water. It's impossible because it's flowing out. So whatever we're feeding on, it will flood and saturate whatever we have authority over. So this is where I'm going this morning with gates. What area do you have authority over and are you flooding it with the goodness of God? Are we flooding it with the very nature of God? Are we flooding it with the glory of God? Because this glory is not some mystical cloud that charismatics are waiting to have, to, to, to have an encounter with so that we can, we can fall on the ground and laugh and cry. It's so that we can be changed into his likeness. That's why. So when we encounter him, it actually changes us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to set captives free. He's anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted. He's anointed me to comfort those who mourn. This spirit, the anointing is always to something, not just for me. All right, let's keep going. Mm. I'm just going to touch on this just because I just feel to. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm jumping a little bit this morning deliberately. But I want to go back, just remember, just to touch on this. I'm going to touch and go. I'm not going to stay here. But the story of Jesus in the boat, where there was a storm. This is not the one after the feeding of the 5,000. Actually, yes, it is. There's two of them. I'm like, hang on. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> Jesus tells him to go to the other side. And he is in the boat. And there's a storm that stirs up and they wake Jesus up. Don't you care, master, we're going to die. And he wakes up and he calms the storm. Watch this. He brings peace to the storm. External realities, internal realities will always create external realities. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. Internal realities will always create external realities. Whatever's going on on the inside will create on the outside. Jesus was living in a, in a world where there was no storm. So when he said peace, he was bringing peace from the world that he was, which was his reality. There was no storm in his world. And when he spoke peace, he created it on the outside. It's really important, especially in this hour, that we work on what's going on on the inside because if we don't, it will be recreated on the outside. So if there's turbulence in here and there's not peace in here, we'll create turbulence on the outside. And I'm convinced right now, and I've watched this recently, Bible says, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. I am convinced that the enemy is wooing people into disruption, wooing people into a place of agitation to cause anxiety. 
and it throws them off kilter. See, that's what a storm does. It causes you to get disorientated. It causes you to go off course. It causes you to panic. It causes you to know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. But if all is well on the inside and there's peace on the inside, we'll recreate that world on the outside. And that's what Jesus did. He was living in peace. He spoke peace and the storm went quiet. And I want to remind us of that. Don't let the enemy woo you into agitation. I happen to learn this more like ever before. Don't let the enemy woo you into silly arguments. Don't let the enemy woo you into his own games. And they look like they're really legitimate, but actually they're actually a waste of time. Do you remember when Nehemiah was building the walls? There was a couple called Sanballat and Tobiah, and they said, Nehemiah, come down here. What are you doing? Stupid wall. Even a fox could knock that down. And Nehemiah said this. He said, we're doing a good work. And we will not come down. We're doing a good work. And we will not come down. Some of you need this. The word of the Lord to some of you today. You're engaging in things that are actually not helpful. You're engaging in conversations, in battles that are just silly. And this, it can, it could be the enemy. I'm not saying it is, but it could be. The enemy is wooing you into a place, into an argument, into a situation where it's a lose-lose. And you just waste your time. And you're wasting your energy. At the same time, there are other areas where God is needing gates and gatekeepers to stand in a place of authority and say, no more. We are not budging. And this is where we need to tune in and, and have accountability. It's where we need one another to bounce off one another and to find wisdom and counsel. Wisdom is found in the counsel of many. Sometimes I watch people make decisions. I'm like, wow, okay, cool. I hope it works out. But maybe if you just ask some counsel from people who've already done that, it would have been wise, but there you go. The enemy woos us into a place of conflict and then pushes us into a place of anxiety. Then we lose our peace. Watch this. Then we lose our peace and we, we contribute to the war. Now we're off kilter. Now I'm off center. Now I'm anxious. Now I'm, I'm angry. And suddenly I'm actually contributing to the, to the chaos rather than just standing still and saying, I'm not coming down off the wall. I'm doing a good work. I'm in my peace here. I'm not going to engage with you. You know, in fact, you're on my team. <laughs> you're a Christian. You're a believer. I'm not going to engage with you on that level. Love you. God bless you. But I'm not going to engage with you unless it's silly. Whew. Okay. Mm -hmm. The promised land was a place of peace. Hebrews says, strive to enter his rest. I'm just going to summarize this really quickly. Sometimes we have to work hard to not work hard. Sometimes you need to, 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 to I was actually says it like this, I want you to strive to enter his rest, which means sometimes we need to work hard to not work hard. But, but please also don't, don't, that means enter his rest means to enter his grace. Matthew 11 says this, put my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we're carrying Jesus' yoke, it comes with a grace. It is a burden, but it's easy and it's light. Here's the tension. Sometimes we're like, we're just under grace. We just need to seal our, we need to rest. We just hurry along. Everybody stop and do nothing. But the Bible also says in Thessalonians, warn those who are idle amongst you. So at the same time, there's, yeah, I'm just resting, brother. And there's another part, God's saying, kick one another up the pants. Say, get going. You're being lazy. 
Get going. This is it. This is life. It's going by really fast. Carpe diem. Seize the day. What are you doing? Well, you just seem very, very stressed out. There's so much going on. Because they were in a war. There's a war. Are you a gate? Are you open? Are you closed? Did you fall off your hinges? Stand up. What are you standing for? Well, I'm just in a season of rest. It's like, okay, the enemy is attacking. And this is, why, this is why this is tough, because there's a tension here. And I find the scriptures are intention. Not always in balance, intention. Okay. Too much for a Sunday? Uh. Mm. Other people live in this place of like adrenaline. Like, you know, a soldier can not go to the bathroom for like three days and just stay completely still because of adrenaline. To stay focused. Police officers. We've got some police officers in the church here. Police officers, um, they, they, the, the adrenaline kicks in so they can stay incredibly focused. But we are not called to live in that place continually. There are times where we need to get focused. Times when we need to, and our body gives us adrenaline to focus. But if we live in that state, our adrenal glands, and I've been there, will, will actually burn out and you get adrenal fatigue. And it's very serious. There's a tension. We've got to know when to rest. We've got to know when, to, when it's a time of war. We've got to know when it's time to, to pull back. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Okay. I'm going to just give these points and then I'm going to go. What time is it? Okay, we're good. Just to be different, I'm going to use an acronym this morning. And the acronym is GATES. Are you ready? I'm going to go fast. Thank you, guys, at the back. G is for uh, guard. GATES, guard. Oh, look, we've got all at the same time. Look at that. GATES, guard. Guard. It guards. They guards. GATES, guards. GATES, guards. GATES, guard. GATES, guard. Everyone say guard. 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 GATES, guard. Thank you guys for all that you do. <laughs> Gates guards. Gates guards. If you ever go to a different country, there are gates. If you travel on an airplane, there's a gate. You leave at a certain gate, and the only way you're going to get through that gate is if you have a ticket. In Bible times, they would sit at the gates and they would guard what comes in and they would guard what comes out. And I want to suggest this this morning. One of the things that we need to do in this hour is guard that which God has given us responsibility over. For some of us just guarding, guarding. You can start, let's just pull this right in. Let's start with our stuff. Guard your tongue. Guard your eye gate. Guard your body. Guard what you listen to. Guard your tongue, what you speak. You know, the Bible says, in the multitude of words, there is transgression. Another translation says, words where words are many, sin is not absent. Some of you this morning, it's like, I just need to start with my mouth. I just need to shut up. If I didn't see it with my own eyes, I didn't hear it with my own ears, I'm not going to speak it with my big mouth. And that guard, that authority to do that, you, could, you can save a lot of trouble. 
I didn't see it with my own eyes. I didn't hear it with my own ears. I'm not going to speak it, but with my good, ma- with my big mouth. This is what I was talking about last week. It's not fair when pe- when you get feel accused of things that just never happened. There's another side, but you never got to give your side. It's not fair. And we concluded, neither is grace fair. God. Above all things, guard your heart. For from it, the issues of life flow. God, church, guard your heart. If the Bible says above all things, guard your heart, we must guard our heart. And that's why not enter, is, is not entering turbulence that God hasn't caused us to, turbul- to enter into. There are other times they act, entering into turbulence and entering into stuff to, to, give, to bring authority is exactly what we should be doing. Just make sure that you should be doing it. Make sure you're doing it with the people that you should be doing it with. These are very generic principles, but I, I, I want to get them out because I believe we're in a season where these little things, if we, these little tweaks, if we don't tighten them up, we're going to start to shake and the wheels can fall off. And some of these like, yep, yeah, I already know that. Yeah, or no, other like, wow, that was me. Okay, what we have authority, what we feed on will have authority over everything else. All right. Um, Guard guard in your own homes. Well, I live on my own. Then guard it. I was provoked by Pat uh, this last week talking about the kingdom of God. And the person who is very dear to my heart where she first heard the message of the kingdom. But the kingdom of God um, is excellent, is it not? Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think there's bad attitude in heaven? Is there sickness in heaven? Is there anger in heaven? Is there rudeness in heaven? Is there bad attitude? Is there oppression, depression, sickness? No, of course there's not. But there's also excellence. If you read the descriptions of the excellence of the throne room and the excellence of heaven, it's pretty excellent. So we can bring the kingdom of God to our bedroom by clearing it up. We can bring the kingdom of God to our car by washing it. We can bring the kingdom of God to our attitude by cleaning it up. We can bring the kingdom of God to our speech by clearing it up. We can bring the kingdom of God to our mind by being careful what we watch. We can be careful. We can bring the kingdom of God in a conversation by putting a guard over what we speak. These are really simple things. But like James says, the tongue is like a rudder which can actually steer a whole boat. That your tongue can change the direction of your day and your week and your month and your year and your decade and your life. So let's just get, let's start tweaking it. Say, Lord, let your kingdom come to my eyesight, to my ear, to my, to, to my hearing, to, to my tongue, to what I speak, to my house, into my marriage, with my kids, with my work, at my boss. Let's just really deal with this. And we're going to pray in a moment. I'm nearly done. I'm gonna, I know you're like, well, he's got a bunch of points together. I'm going to go really fast. Number two is A is for authority. Authority. Everyone say authority. Gates speak of authority. Try and push through one of those gates. When you go to a country and there's people with machine guns, I just want to go through. No, there's an authority. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ever. This is where church, the church needs to stand in her authority. To stand in her authority. That we, we need to stand up. To stand up for righteousness, to stand up for peace, to stand up for injustice. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set captives free. We have the authority to do that. I know I've said this before, but the devil has power, but he does not have authority. And let me unpack this. Mark 11, but Mark 10, verse 18. Jesus says, I've given you authority, everyone say authority, over all the power of the enemy. I've given you authority, the church, authority over all the power of the enemy. So the enemy has power. In that room just over there, and don't tell your kids this, there is a big switch. And if you hit that switch, you can shut down the entire power in this whole building. It would just go, like just in one go. Everything would go. The lights would go. It would be picked, the air conditioning would be shut off. But you can't get there unless you have authority. You actually can, but just for this, it's not actually locked. All the kids are like, <laughs> I wouldn't have done that when I was a kid because I was a pastor's kid. It's great. But, the, but we have authority over all the power of the enemy. We need to use our authority. Take your time, I'm going to keep moving. I was uh, with my brother Jonathan a few years ago, and neither of us had become citizens, but we both had green cards, and we just happened to be in England at the same time, and we got the same flight back. And so we're at uh, London Heathrow, and we're just messing around because we're just brothers, and we're just having a laugh. And he said, I forgot my, my, my uh, green card. And so I, he went to England on his British passport, but realized I can't get back to America because I'm now just British as far as they're concerned. I have a green card, but I forgot it. So I said, well, they'll figure it out. So these officials started coming along and, and talking to Jonathan. And, and um, then he just, uh, he just took his, this guy, I didn't know who he was, just took all his information and walked off. So I'm like, hey, excuse me, where, is, where are you going with all those documents? I said, they're my brothers. He turned around, he went, I'm the one that decides whether or not you go back to America or not. Who are you? I was like, no one. <laughs> He was an American in charge of immigration in London, and he wanted to make sure that this person did, could really, did have a green card, even though he didn't have it on him, to get back, on, to go on a plane, because otherwise you're not even getting on the plane, to go back to the United States. And then he looked at me and thought, you guys look the same, what's going on here? So he asked for all my information. I'm like, why do you need my information? He said, again, I'll let me remind you because I'm the only person here that decides whether or not you get on that plane and goes back to the United States. I'm like, yes, sir. Okay. I really appreciate all that you do, keeping the country safe. So appreciate you, sir. And he figured it all out. But he had the authority. He had the authority to decide who goes in and who goes out. And I think sometimes the church needs to have authority. It's like, who do you think, what do you mean? Who, who do I think I am? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a child of the living God. That's who. I'm a son and I'm a daughter of the king. That's who. Authority always wins over power. No, I can't. Sorry, I'm touch and go today. Touch and go. But I want to provoke us. Because the church, someone better know their authority in this next season. Somebody better know what they're standing up for. You know, the Bible says, when the enemy comes in, in the actual, when you read it in any translation, it says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, 
the Spirit of the Lord raises a stand up against it. Actually, the translation's got the comma in the wrong place. It actually reads like this. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against it. That's actually what the Bible says. The flood is on our side. Because the gates of hell will not prevail. Why? Because the church, the ecclesia, is going to flood them out with, with the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is a time to stand up. It's a time to use our authority. T is for transition. Gates are a place of transition. They're a place. You have gates going into your backyard. It, it, it takes you from the backyard to the front yard. It, it, gates are a place where you go from one realm, if you like, to another realm. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. In other words, when I come, I will encourage us to do this. When we come in on a Sunday, it's not to get for the worship leader to just to say, come on, you, this is a good knees up. You can do better than this. I saw you at the ball game. Blah, 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 blah. You can jump a little higher. You can shout a little louder. But we actually arrive in momentum. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'm going to come with thanksgiving. I'm going to come with praise. I'm, going to come. I'm not going to come waiting for an impetus to someone to push us on a swing. Maybe we should, if we need a push, and you've never been to it, and you're not used to this, great, come and get pushed. We'll find a way of like getting that swing going. But, you know, when you grow up, you learn to, keep, to kick your legs where you can actually have momentum. And, in, in the, and when we come in with thanksgiving, I believe there should be such a roar of praise in this place. And it's not like these charismatic churches, are, they're a little bit weird, to be honest. No, no, no. Watch this. If you sit down and ask, talk to the people who are going crazy in worship. And when you meet them in the streets and you talk to them in the coffee shop, they're so excited. It's listen to their story and listen to what Jesus did in their life and how he set them free. And then you'll realize that's why they're going crazy. That's why they're talking. That's why they're shouting. That's why they're singing. That's why they just won't stop talking about what the Holy Spirit is doing. And this is why they're talking about this and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, blah, blah, blah. I just won't stop talking because they're just so excited because I was blind and now I see. It's like, well, you just need to calm down. I said I was blind and now I see. I couldn't see, but now I can. I, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, 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 I just know what's happening. I just feel completely different. My life feels so full of joy. Yeah. And suddenly the things, the depression has gone. The oppression has gone. I'm, I'm feeling better. I, I feel a sense of purpose. Well, you just need to calm down in worship. It's just, why, 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 why? In this church, you seem to sing the same words again and again. You just, Lord, I just love you, Jesus. It's getting a bit old. Well, in heaven it says we're just going to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. And, you know, when we're in heaven just singing holy, you're just going to get another revelation of who he is. Like, amazing. I'm going to go fishing. Then I'm going to come back and sing holy again. I think I'm going to go skiing today. And then I'm going to come back and get to the throne and go, holy, so holy. I don't think we're like, holy, is this a really long? I've been doing this for a thousand years. No, I mean, whatever. Don't get me started. It's, you know, e is for empowerment, empowerment. It, it, it gates for a place of empowerment um, where decisions were made. I've already talked about that. You know, what, I asked some, some business guys, what do you want? What do you do if you're the most powerful person in the room? And the truth is, 
If you're the most powerful person in the room, you can either use your power to make yourself more powerful or you can use your power to empower the people around you. And the truth is, Jesus is, was, and always will be the most powerful person in the room. And what Jesus does with his power is he gives it away. And in this house and in this, I believe that we're going to talk about this at culture class. By the way, if you're there, I know we had such a great time at SDP. We've got culture class today. We're going to feed lunch. We're going to talk about some of these things and dialogue it together. But never blow out someone's candle so that yours shines brighter. That's not kingdom. If you use your candle to light other people's candles, the whole room will get filled with light. And your candle will lose nothing. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. It's not about you. It's about the king. That's why Melchizedek, Mephibosheth, his, he, his feet never got healed. Because you can serve God with no feet. But you can't serve God if your heart's not clean. Mephibosheth was more about interested in the king than his own needs getting met. And he had a pure heart. And, T, and, and, and S is for stand. Gates stand. Gates stand up. Gates stand. If we stand for everything, we'll stand for nothing. There are people in this room that God is positioning you in places of authority in this city, in this state. People in businesses, I'm going to ask John, musicians, if you can come just really quickly and quietly. And John, if you can come up, John Schmidt. I'm going to hand over to John, but just, I just want to say this. When the Bible talks about pearly gates, you're going to love this. I love this. Pearls, pearls, listen carefully, are formed through irritation. Everyone say irritation. And I want to tell you this morning, some of you have been so irritated recently. You've been irritated by the season. You've been irritated by people. You've been irritated by circumstance. You've been irritated by life. But I want to here to tell you this morning this, that you are a gate because you are a person with authority. And what makes you beautiful is your pearls. What makes gate, this, what God's gates beautiful is their pearly gates. And pearls are formed through irritation. And this, the season of irritation, where you're irritated, you've actually just been like, Lord, I am so irritated with these people, with this situation, with this organization. I'm, I'm, I'm so irritated with COVID. I'm irritated with this. God, setbacks are often cleverly designed as setups. And there's a season where that which just made you so irritated is actually going to be beautiful. Pearly gates. Let's stand together.